This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's not Saturday. It's not the best time of the week, three o'clock. But this is the Mansfield Matters podcast, the show for the fans, by the fans. Why? Because Mansfield matters. My name's Craig Priest. Thank you very much for joining us. Regular listeners will know that every single week, myself and two of my friends, Nathan Edge and Cam Felton, follow the fortunes of the Stags and talk about how good, how bad, how average and how frustrating it is being a Mansfield Town fan. Throughout the whole coronavirus situation, we've been bringing you different bits of content at the best time of the week, Saturdays at three o'clock, including manager and player interviews from uh, former managers and players, of course, and some daft little bits as well, including Ultimate Eleven, best games and lots, lots more in between. It's something we wanted to do to try and keep people's mental health up and trying to bridge the gap. And it's something we will continue to do until football returns. However, from this point forward, it won't be every single week. We don't know how often it will be. It might be one per month. It might be one every two weeks. Stay tuned to our website to find out. There's a reason for it. I'm not going to bore you by getting into it right now. But I wanted to end the weekly episodes by going back to what we know and love as Mansfield Matters. And that is by doing our live shows. So come and join us at the worst time of the week. Saturday, 5pm, just after a full-time whistle will be blown for a mini end-of-season review, which will hopefully include the retain list, which has been rumoured to be released on Friday, which is tomorrow, and we'll have a bit of a quiz about the season as well and things like that. For now, though, enjoy our end-of-season review-ish recorded via Skype on Tuesday. Previous me, take it away and hit the music. Let's get into uh, why we're doing this podcast, of course. Uh, let's go through some housekeeping. First and foremost, as we sit recording this, it is, tw- it is Tuesday the 12th of May at 
25 to 8 in the evening. We should have started about 20 minutes ago, but Nathan forgot. I didn't forget. I was eating food and I forgot. Yeah, and, eat food. and you forgot. Me and Cam Felton were on time. <laughs> Shocking. Anyway, okay. uh, the point of this uh, podcast is we still have no idea how all of this will come to an end. But ironically, this season, in advert commas, is summed up by the whole situation. Nobody has no idea how we reach this point and nobody has any realistic knowledge on how it will end. And to be honest, we'd like to forget it about it anyway at some point. Uh, we all do know, though, however, what we do know, however, is that other clubs are announcing their retain lists and starting to plan for their future. So we thought we'd join in. We'd jump on the bandwagon. We'd reflect on a time where there was football, but perhaps, given our results and league standing, gents, um, we maybe wish there wasn't. Agree? Disagree? Agree. Disagree. Are we, are we taking the poorness of our season for granted now we're in this situation with no football you'd rather watch us be absolutely mediocre and poor every week than have no football at all is that what you're saying Nate? I think I actually would and that's a, uh, it sounds like a stupid thing to say but uh, I am I am not going to lie I am missing football missing sort of going out on your Saturdays and Tuesday nights and you're having your way trips and you know it. it's it, I don't know I, I'm just being Probably just being soft in my old age, but it, it's just not the same without it. Not knowing when we might do that next either is probably the worst thing. It could, you know, we is it going to be months? Is it going to be? Is it going to be next year? You know, we we still have no idea. So, yeah, I'd take uh, us playing rubbish and and going than than us than not going. Yeah, I think I would as well. I mean, the the thing you miss the most, I think the thing I miss the most is. Not necessarily being able to sit around the table and moan about it on the podcast because we're still in doing that from a distance location anyway. So that's not really changed in that sense. But I think it's that social element, the fact that we all know every Saturday that messages are going to fly off and the banter is going to fly around in the, in the group chat. We get to see each other at games and interact with other people. It, it's, it feels like that is a long, long time away. And almost, I feel kind of bad for you know the premise of this week's podcast because we're talking about it that it's over, but I, I, I hope deep down, I hope that you agree with me, Cam, that by reviewing this season, it, it gives us that glimpse of reality for mm, half an hour or so. Uh, yeah. Well, you think this time last year we were doing our end of season review and it was uh, a very, very different situation. We'd got, uh, we'd, we'd just blown the playoffs um, David just gone, Futch had just gone, uh, Dempster was in, and it was all very much another situation of what the hell is actually going on. And this season, obviously, it's completely different, but at least it, with doing an end-of-season review, it gives us a bit of a sense of normality because we would have been doing an end-of-season at about this point anyway. Absolutely. Did we ever actually do a uh, proper end-of-season review last year? Because I feel like we didn't. No, yeah, yeah, we did. I mean, we did and we didn't. I remember, yeah, we were sort of scheduled to do the end-of-season one at Nathan's house, which he always is, or seems to be, something to do with a hot tub. Um, that, that seems like a long way off. And then it all kicked off and went a little bit crazy, didn't it? And all of a sudden, Flickcroft was gone and Dempster was in and we were pulling our hair out and we only had about 10 minutes just to go live and talk about probably the, the biggest decision the club had made, which I think is an apt place to start this podcast because that that point on that day is probably where this season started to go wrong. Yeah, definitely. 
Uh, you, you think it just... I, I know we'd lost in the playoffs, but it just seems such a hasty decision. 24 hours after losing in a playoff semi-final, our best finishing in the Football League in, what, 15 years? It, it was just seemed really hasty and really rushed. And at the time, it was like, oh, great, we've got someone to talk about. But then we, it was just very much a rushed thing. So when, when we did get a chance to talk about it, it was in between people doing things. It was literally just a brief brushing over it. Right, we said it. And then by the time that we actually got around to doing the podcast, we were behind everybody else that had talked about it via social media posts and whatever. I don't know. We were quite quick to it, to be fair. We, I remember I mean, rushing to set up in my living room and that never yeah, happened. Short podcast we were, but by the time we'd been able to go in-depth in it, yeah, I think yeah, the the in-depth thing that was that was different, but um I think that's the ideal place to start though on on this one like I said. Um this season, even though there's only nine games left, um we'll talk about it as it unfolds. There's nine where where we are at the moment, for those who don't know, uh there are nine games still unplayed. Um we have no idea when the EFL will resume if it will resume at all. So this is why we're treating this as the end of season uh, podcast special ish um so we, we're starting at the beginning which we say you know was the sacking of uh, david flickcroft and the appointment of john dempster and that transition i think between the two um i was thinking about this today obviously i mentioned uh, nathan about retain lists being being brought out we didn't really release anyone there was only i think will atkinson and a few youngsters who were released um at this stage last year so the majority of the squad were, were kept together hindsight is a wonderful thing as we know and in hindsight do you think we made the wrong decision in trying to keep the core of that squad together and rather than letting a few of them go and letting John Dempster actually mould his own squad rather than just sort of taking the keys to somebody else's car so to speak um, I'm going to say no uh, because I remember at the time when we obviously did change managers uh, for the first time, I think, since uh, they ever took over the club. Well, since he ever took over the club, John Radford was actually probably getting a, a sort of a little bit of pressure um, because a lot of people were, were worried that sort of he was pulling his money out of the club uh, and things like that. Now, I think when the retain list was announced and then we started making a couple of signings, I think straight away people then realised that, oh, you know, he's not, it's, that's not the case. It was just literally a change of direction in manager. You know, he quite clearly isn't, hadn't or wasn't going to pull, pull any money out of the club. He wasn't losing interest or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> so I think keeping that uh, bulk of the squad there and, and, and we have got some really talented individuals. We we have we have got some real good players in that squad. It would I don't think that for me over this season has been the issue. I think it's been the issue of getting them to play together. So um, no, I, I I I'm glad we didn't let that many go at the time. Um, however, now it's probably a different story. I remember the, for the first few weeks, Cam thinking, you know. I hope John Dempster does get backed and uh, he does manage to bring some names. In. I think the biggest problem of all was replacing Tyler Walker, who 
had a fan- phenomenal season uh, for us. We all know it was going to be very difficult to keep him with us in League Two. I'm, I'm under no illusion that had we been promoted, he'd have still been with us and we'd have probably forked out a bit of cash to maybe make him a permanent signing as well. But as you say, you know, when you rely so heavily on, on one person, as we did with Matt Green in the conference uh, as well, you need to replace them. Um, and what we did quite well was replace one 30-goal-a-season striker with two in Nicky Maynard and Andy Cook. When those signings were announced in particular, were you thinking, well, actually, you know, with those additions, if it can click, it actually we could go one better? Was that the point where you started to, to, to believe again? Yeah. Um, it was a shock because, obviously, we'd, we the rumours swirling around, obviously, about the Maynard thing. Um Obviously, a lot of the Bury team uh, went with Ryan Lowe to, to Plymouth, you Danny Mayers and all that. So you thought, logical sense, he's going to go there. But when, when you looked at it on actually a little bit more in-depth, that obviously Nicky wouldn't have wanted to move all the way down there. So then maybe a move to Mansfield didn't seem so ridiculous at the time. And then to have someone like Andy Cook brought in as well to be his strike partner, it's like, wow, what... what, what? What are the intentions this season? Are we are we actually going to go for it again? And and it looked like for the f- first first couple of games we were going for it, and then it just fell to pieces. And it wasn't that we weren't scoring goals; it's just that we had such a leaky defence that even if we could score, we were just just throwing it all away again. And and or we'd uh, we'd throw we'd be like two 0 down before we even start playing a game. I think as well, Nathan, you know, we talk a lot about Nicky Maynard and Andy Cook being brought in, but also uh, we forget the the likes at the back as well. We brought in, um, you know, the likes of uh, Kellen Gordon uh, to to challenge Hayden White and to, to bolster that defence, a promotion winner with Lincoln. Uh, we brought Connor Shaughnessy on, in on loan as well. Uh, and even Dion Donoghue, he came with a very good reputation um, I know it didn't quite work out for him, and we'll come on to that. But when those players are being brought in with that calibre, I, I was I was slowly starting to think that this might um, go well. But there was always sort of niggling doubt in the back of my mind that um, it 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 needed there was massive pressure on John Dempster's shoulders, and I wasn't. As much as I like John Dempster as a person and what he's done for the, the club as in terms of a player and captain and youth team manager, he found himself in a very difficult position very early doors, didn't he? Absolutely, yeah. You just literally um, hit the nail on the head there with, with coming to the pressure. I, I think when you look at the recruitment we had over the summer, I think it was a very... At the time, it seemed a very sort of successful recruitment campaign. You know, it, you looked at the squad and you think, and, and every club was um, probably looking at the same, and the you know, bookies were doing the same. They, they, everyone was tipping us for promotion simply because what we'd done the season before. And then you looked at it, and you, you were probably we did strengthen, even though we did lose Tyler Walker and you know and a couple of others that you know, the, well, the lone players anyway. Um, so you would say we had a stronger squad. Then you, the issue with that is, you know, as supporters, you start getting excited, you start getting a bit carried away, um, and then that pressure is on the manager and the players uh, straight away from from the offset because you want to get off to a good start, and um, and when we didn't really, and it was only going to get worse from there. And if you remember, 
very early on in the certainly the home game there was quite a lot of toxicity about um you know it didn't take long <laughs> thank you um for i think frustrations to show which then piles onto that pressure that's already there so it was a very um it wasn't a very nice place to be and uh, I, I felt for john dempster because he did earn a shot I still don't think the way it all came about was the right way, as in I don't think Flitcroft should have been sacked, but giving John Dempster a go was the right thing to do in a, in a sense that he didn't it. But the timing was, was, wasn't was right, simply because of the pressure that he was going to be under from the you know, with what we've done so far. I think we can all agree, can't we, without even going into it, that John Dempster's time should have been the transition between Steve Evans' departure and, and the next season. Flitcroft that should have waited until the summer and you know Dempster yeah. should have been given the time then. Uh, I'm going to put the blame on our season um, and, and the way it started on the fixture computer. Which part of the fixture computer's brain thought, I know what will be a good idea. Um, I'm going to put the first game of the season, Mansfield against Newport, Newport <laughs> away. And I, Honestly, I think... That, in retrospect, heaped even more pressure on John Dempster's shoulders early doors because people always naturally, in when you've got the same squad, people compare. They will compare how you play. They'll compare, compare how you've got a handle of your tactics and your dressing room. And then to put the opening game of the season against Newport, a side who you came up against and, and you know lost against in your last game of the, the, the previous season in the playoffs... That was, I think that was must have been sheer hell for John Dempster going into that one. I think the com- fixture computer just likes pitching us against Newport opening day. You think, is that the third time it's happened in the Football League? And then it's happened a couple of times in the conference as well. It's just, we have this thing with, with Newport. We just, obviously, we went up from the conference together made the playoffs, played each other in that, opening days against each other, two seasons in a row. It's crazy. It is but, absolute madness. Yeah, it is, it is a lot of pressure because you think they've then also got the expectation to go one further than they did last season, which was obviously reaching the playoff final and then getting promoted. So they... Has he gone? He has gone. I think we might have, <laughs> I think we might have lost to him. We have lost Cam in... Uh, uh, in the podcast, so we'll try and get I will try and get Cam back. Whilst we do that, though, Nathan, we'll continue uh, and we'll um, and we'll so, t- yes, get rid of him. I know. Uh, so I think uh, it's one of those, isn't it, that Newport game? I'm just looking at um, looking back in my mind at, at how we played uh, in that game, and we were absolutely woeful for for 45 minutes. Yeah, and the first half was probably one of the worst displays. We probably had all season, actually, wasn't it? Uh, and we had some pretty woeful ones as well. Uh, but the, the, I remember the one thing that came out at the end of that game, so obviously we ended up drawing that 2-2, um, was the fact that John Dempster openly came out and said the credit goes to Lee Govan for his half-time team talk, which I thought was a very unusual situation to... It, it, that probably didn't do him any favours because then people are saying, well, who, who really gets, you know, who, who, what 
role did John Dempster play in that as a manager to get us back in, you know, back in that game? Absolutely, and you know, as uh, we we're rejoined by Cam, we're just talking there, Cam, about um, that first game at Newport and uh, the way it changed. And Nathan has just made a very uh, very good point, which is um, that. After that game, John Dempster came out and praised his assistant manager, Lee Glover, a man who we only knew from a couple of courses as well, which is a different story in itself. Uh, but how much did that ring alarm bells in your head that uh, the roles about who was doing what was brought into question when John Dempster made that statement about, I did nothing at halftime, it was all down to Lee Glover? The one thing that sticks in my mind, do you think that had it been the other way around, Glover would have been manager, Dempster would have been backup? Do you think it would have been different? No. Fair enough, Glover, neither of them had a managerial experience, but at least Glover had had a higher up understanding and he had a, an understanding of players and how they how they worked, obviously he'd watched football rigorously as, as his job and obviously been in the game a lot longer, so... I mean, I, I can honestly say that if Lee Glover had been appointed manager, I'd have, I'd have put money on us going down. Because I'd have thought that was... The, how, why would you replace a, a manager with the experience of David Flickcroft with, with basically someone who's just worked in a back room? Yes, everybody deserves their, you know, their shot, but it would have rang more alarm bells than, than, what, it was, than what it was worth. But it was a very strange time that that Newport game I remember talking on the podcast after and saying um yeah it's good that we've got him to come and step in and change those um all right Siri uh those tactical uh, decisions and everything but um it, if we were questioning it from the outside what on earth was happening on the inside do you know what I mean yeah and um, uh I think one thing that became quite clear throughout the course of the season is that, well, the first part of the season that was that Dempster didn't really have a, have a, a, a say in the dressing room. He didn't have control of the dressing room. And the players, it comes across as like the players didn't respect him. You look at the whole Donahue and Melly situation in, in the town centre. If if your players truly respected you, then they wouldn't be going around doing stupid stuff like that, would they? Well, obviously we can't touch upon that uh, too much because oh, yeah. it is still an ongoing uh, an ongoing issue, as I'm led to believe. Yeah, but... it's my, my point. It's like you just the, the dressing room lacked authority, and if you've got players gallivanting off doing that in their spare time, just think what it's like in the dressing room where it can affect other players. Yeah, and I think the point you're trying to make there as well, and I think the 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 line which I'd want to go down here is is that he had that to deal with. He had numerous injuries and and what have you to deal with as well. And it it just felt with the whole uh, toxicity which was building and building and building over the course of um, the games. Which, to be fair, I think. It had done in pre-season as well. I've, n- I've never really felt a pre-season like that. There wasn't much anticipation. It, it sort of t- it sort of got very toxic very, very early. And I, I just felt, like, like we said numerous times, it did feel like watching a, uh, a nursery teacher from year ones try and teach y- a university course. I think that's a fair reflection, isn't it, Nath? I'd probably say so, yeah. Um, and that was one thing that I think a lot of people including uh, myself feared when he was given the job but I mean that was the risk wasn't it um, 
that was a gamble at the time to, to give him a job and see if he could step up to the plate. But everyone was saying the same thing. You know, it's one thing coaching the youth team, which, uh, you know, he did do a fantastic thing uh, to get to where it was and, and to where it is. And he deserves a hell of a lot of credit for that. But to then go in and manage uh, professionals. And, and one thing as well is that you look at the dressing room, probably half of those professionals have actually gone on and done more things in their careers than what John Dempster did. Absolutely. So if you look at that, you know, Cam was saying about the respect and, and authority. It's kind of like it's very hard to, to, to lead a group when some of those have done more than you because they'll just probably you know question it or turn it around and, and think, oh, you know, I'm not going to listen to him. I've, I've, I've done more in my life. And you'd like to think the players wouldn't do that. You know, you'd like to have the best intentions. But when things aren't, you know, if things are going right, then they probably wouldn't. They probably trust him. But when things aren't going right and especially at the beginning. It's a bit like you can actually compare it to the current situation now with obviously what's going on with with the country, etc. There's people out there that have got no idea about how certain things work, but everyone's got an opinion. Now, you go into that club, uh, into that dressing room, and the ones that have done a little bit more, they feel even more so like they know better, basically. And they're going to start, it'll rub off, and they'll start throwing in their two cents and things like that. So I think you probably would have got some aspect of that throughout the season as well, which again is just not an ideal situation to be in but from John Dempster's point of view. What a tie into the current situation as well. I applaud that, Mr Nathan Edge. Well done, 10 <laughs> points. Um, and I think, to be fair, Cam, as well, what, Na- what Nathan says there is absolutely not only spot on, but it's also reflected in uh, the results. It took, uh, obviously, two draw. Two draws to start off with. We also had the cup defeat uh, in there as well. So we actually had three two-all draws um, to start off with. Then we beat Carlisle 2-0 and we're thinking, all right, fair enough. And then there was the game, which I think we, even as early as August, we sort of knew this Mansfield town is not the Mansfield town of a couple of months ago and this season is going to be a struggle. When we throw away the game at home to Leighton Orient, what an absolute nightmare of a game. It was a joke, absolute joke. I know, fair enough, they were very much uh, soft penalties, but from 2-0 up in the first half at home, and for, for a team that was just coming up from the conference, we should have been like, you're back in the big leagues now, boys. You need to play like you're in the big leagues, not, not, not like uh, you're a bunch of two-year-olds. So, Leonore did well. They bullied us. They, they did well to get a result and I think it just shows that uh, yeah, the team just wasn't gelling and it wasn't we were a few games in it was this time it's this time that you were thinking right the team really start needs, starts to gel and we'd got a decent result the week, uh, at the weekend at, at Carlisle not an easy place to go obviously we found out that last season and um you thought, right, we're actually going to maybe do something. And then it was just a gut-wrenching defeat. And it was just... It's like we'd learnt nothing from last season being able to close out a game. And we took, like, 20 steps back. And and it it just seemed that it was just a mountain to climb from there. And we've... we've, Well, I'd say we've probably gone further down the mountain from then. Yeah, and if you look at that defence as well, Nathan, you know, the season before it was the best defence in the league for a while, really watertight and 
uh, for the same players to be shipping goals left, right and centre in, in the manner in, in which they did. Even some of the games after that, you know, the 1-0 the away at Crawley, soppy goal, f- getting beat 4-0 at home to, to Cambridge, losing to, to Plymouth, throwing it away at, at Port Vale in the way we did and, uh, and things like that. It, it just, for so long, it beggared belief. And do you think we were, we were all guilty of being stuck in the rut of um, the hangover of the season before? Did we not let go of it soon enough? I think a little bit. Um, you, uh, particularly from the players' point of view, you probably, as we did keep most of those players, it probably still were, was in the back of their minds, and it. I guess when you're the sort of uh, regime that Flickcroft installed, it was quite a, a high-pressing game. So you probably... After putting in so much effort throughout the whole season and losing it and then you know, falling at the last hurdle to then pick, dust yourself, pick yourself up and dust yourself off and go again and try and do it again. Um, so that was one issue we've got. Obviously, you've got the fans there that we've already said about the expectation levels. Uh, being so high and the pressure there, which makes adds another thing on, uh, into the mix. But um, I don't know. You, you had the issue. I mean, when it comes to them about players gelling, they didn't even have that excuse. But really, because the the bulk of the squad was already there, they played together for for at least a season, so they didn't really have that issue of gelling. It was tough because obviously we 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 didn't want to be like Notts County <laughs> and, and you, you know we know what they did the season before when they went down they changed the manager three times throughout the season and um, they were famous to win the league and stuff like that so at the same time you know we were all thinking that as fans and saying the same thing we don't really want to go down that route and be changing managers every um, you know every few, few months and you'd, I think the board would have been thinking that they'd, they want to give him time and try and get him you know try and help him through it basically but but uh, especially when you know we have found out since that the you know certain members of the board were were split, didn't really want to let Flitcroft go. And we know Carolyn has come out quite openly in um, in various different places saying that. So I think based on that, they probably wanted to try and give Dempster time. But at the same time, how long can you give somebody when we're doing so so badly and actually starting to get a little bit concerned about relegation when? when we were tipped to go up. That's quite a drastic change, really, from where you should be. And to be fair, in October, to give him credit, he did turn uh, fortunes around Cam. As we say, a 1-0 win at Grimsby. 6-1 thrashing over Oldham in this one of the strangest games that I've seen. Two all at Forest Green. We lose then at home uh, to Salford, and then we finish the month uh, with a 2-1 win away at, at Warsaw. At the, as, no, as October comes to an end, did you think... You know, even though we, we we lost at home to Salford, given the results prior to that, the three games prior to that, were you starting to think, well, actually, he's now got his 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 hands and got his hands dirty and rolled up his sleeves and, and actually starting to put his stamp on things? Yeah, and the what you know, the one game that we actually turn up and absolutely hammer someone, I'm not even bloody there. That just says to me that you need to stop going to games. Can't wait for next oh, season thanks. when you can't go. Yeah, it's two games all season at home. And we lost. Uh, we won one, and we lost one. Well, that's fifty-fifty, so, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know where your logic is on that one. Well, exactly. So I need to start going to. I need to. I just need to carry on going to games. Either way, um, you think uh, it would would finally what it would look like had turned a corner? 
And then November comes, and we have the visit to Chorley, and then it just showed us what an absolute hellhole we were actually in. Yeah, I remember scraping through that game. I remember leaving that game thinking, I'm glad we've got through, but I, 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 I still to this day don't know how because we were we were woeful. We shouldn't Nicky have got Mandard, through. Nicky Mandard, 82nd minute. And, and they, they, they'd true. had so many chances. Against bottom of the National League as well. Yeah. It, it, it shows how far we've fallen. You, I think, Nathan, you said it um, a minute ago. We were all tongue-in-cheek saying that we didn't want to do a Notts County, but that's exactly what was happening. Mm. That yeah. was a yeah. It was actually some of the uh, comparisons and the similarities were a bit were a bit alarming, to be fair. So um, I'm, I'm you know I'm glad to say we didn't obviously go that far. We didn't see any of John Radford's uh, gentlemen's on on online, thankfully, <laughs> and. Uh, we didn't quite go through three managers, so you know. The, thankfully, we uh, we wasn't quite that bad. But the, I think the, the the biggest comparison is the fact that we were both tipped to to go up, probably win the league, really. Yeah. Uh, and we both spent majority majority of the season at the near the bottom. Uh, thankfully, we just wasn't that far down. Thankfully. Yeah, if, I think if you know if we'd have squandered a few of those draws and slipped up a few more times, it, it could have been. Uh, a lot, lot worse. As we move from November into uh, December, we've got through uh, November, which is a poor month for us. Uh, you know, three defeats and a draw in there. Uh, the writing was pretty much on the wall for John Dempster then. Um, we thought he'd have probably gone after the 3-0 defeat at home to Cheltenham. We then draw away at Crew, which then proves uh, to be his uh, his last game. Mental, because that was by far one of the best games we'd played all season. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... But I, th- I think the writing on the wall was that if he didn't win, he was gone anyway. I mean, I, I don't... Obviously, this is, this is just pure speculation from me, but um, I think um, he perhaps knew that his time was up at that um, crew game. So there, there was sort of maybe a feeling around the dressing room of just go out and go out and play and see what you can do because um, a new manager would be coming in and I don't know I, I really felt from it at that time I remember actually seeing him a couple of days prior to that crew game and he looked like he had the weight of 70,000 million planets on his on his shoulders I really really felt from after Everything that he'd done, done for the club as a player, as a captain, uh, the things that he'd done with the youth set up, to know that you know he'd probably be, be leaving all that behind in a, in a couple of days or a couple of weeks if things didn't turn around, must have been an absolutely horrible feeling for him. And I really feel for the board at that point as well because it, it's like Paul Cox said to me on the podcast a few weeks ago when he left, John Radford didn't want that to happen. And I imagine that it would have been the same for John Dempster as well. He's, he's a loyal man, he's John Radford. And as as the Radfords are, but ultimately results do the talking, don't they, Nathan? The results for John Dempster just, quite frankly, weren't were not good enough. No, and uh, there's um, you can only have so much loyalty in football because, unfortunately, as we all know, it is a results game business, um, and sadly, pressure talks, and and the pressure was. From the, the the fans really, and uh, I you know I had myself in that to be fair. Um, Me too. You, you, you know you do get you do 
in amongst it all, uh, because we all care about the club so much, you you do put that pressure on the on the on the board and the owners to to make a change. So it, it got to that stage where I don't think John and and, and Karen and the rest of the board had had much choice. Whether you know we don't know what they were thinking, whether they want to give it longer, whether they just knew it, you know it was an experiment, it's not worked out. Uh, but essentially, the fans do do have a uh, have a say in it. So, and it just got too much. I suppose the one thing is that when you look at it this way, when John left, it was the perfect time as such to get someone new in, get a little bit more of a sense for the squad, and then it gives you all of January to then look at bringing your own players in, strengthening the squad where you need to. Because there's no point in saying, say. If it had been two weeks further down the line, then I would have personally been really worried because Graham would have come in and he'd have had two games to actually change anything. And that's not not enough time. And, and yes, it was harsh. I, I think it was harsh the way that the whole thing panned out because John had been with us for so long could he have could he have said right do you want to take a step back we're fully back here if you want to take a step down and we'll bring someone new in but just to ship him out seemed it was very yes it was it was very much a a fan back thing and I imagine a majority of the board would have been behind removing John from his post as well but it's uh, it was the right time for John to go unfortunately for him there was no manoeuvrability on that because I remember us talking about it. We we argued and, and debated over it for, for many an episode saying, you know, we don't want to see him leave the club, but we want to see him leave as manager. And there's no way he could have gone back to his youth team post. There's absolutely no way he could have survived and the dressing room could have survived if he'd have been placed in an assistant manager's role or, or any point of coaching role within in the team suddenly going from manager to coach that wouldn't have worked it's testament to his ability as a coach um, and as a person that he's got a fantastic job where he is now um, and I'm sure he'll go on to have a bright future working within the youth um, system and wish him very well but I actually think um, we should take the, the, the time here a minute or two to actually um, give him a massive pat on the back because do you know what he would have had a massive decision to make um, when he was offered that job. When David Flickcroft left, the club was on a high. We just, all right, we, we, all right, we had a bit of a body blow losing to Newport, but we'd just seen one of the best seasons we had for, for ages, played some good football and narrowly missed out on automatic promotion. Yes, there were some bits and bobs which needed to be improved on um, and the decision was made. John Dempster had a choice then. Is this my time to step up? Do I want to step up? Or shall I stay where I am and, and stay in the safety net for my family and for my personal career and things like that? And in hindsight, for him, he probably made the wrong choice, but he had the balls to go and make the choice and, and give it a go. And you've got to applaud him for that. And then to get thrown all the boomerangs, Nath, about you know the, 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 the Donoghue situation especially and then the injuries as well to players that's one hell of a thing um, to deal with. And I think, like we've said many a times, people get swept up in results and don't credit um, the decisions and the mental health behind it. And, you know, it could have been so different for John Dempster 
um, had he not got another job and things like that. But what a decision he made, and he should be given a l- tremendous credit for doing that, surely. Yeah, that, absolutely. Like, um, like I said earlier, he deserved his chance. Um, and although I feel like the timing should have been different, you know, he was offered that job on, on, on merit uh, because of what he'd done for the club up to that point. And uh, it, it did take uh, courage to, to take it, especially when the expectations levels were, were so high. You know, he just had an experienced manager get sacked because he didn't get automatic promotion. And, you know, getting automatic promotion in League Two isn't an easy task by any means. So um, when you've just seen that happen, to then take the job, you know, he, he would have known that there was a big risk in there, the fact that he's got a very tough job to do. Uh, but he, he had faith uh, in his own ability and, and courage to do that. And the one thing that, you know, I, I often did remind myself of, of, of last year and, and always do, that nobody goes out there to fail. You know, he was trying. He, he, he never, I never, ever doubted that he he wasn't trying everything he could. Um, it was just, I, as you said, things a combination of things, which is always the case when something doesn't tend to go right, uh, went against him. So, uh, you know, I I think we certainly should thank him for everything he has done. He did try, but it's just sad that he didn't didn't work out as, as, as everyone hoped. And I would love as well to see him come back to the club in some capacity in his future. And there's only two people that I, um, all right, three that I say that about. Um, one is John Dempster in some capacity. Two, I would love to see Adam Murray get another shot at being a manager. Um, that's a whole podcast in itself. Another point. And three would be uh, would be Lord Barker. Um, uh, so yeah, that's 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 completely different. Um, obviously, he goes. The appointment. It was a bit of a strange one because previously our previous appointments had been quite quick, and it looked for a couple of days um, like it might not happen Cam rumours were murmuring weren't they whilst um, Graham Cochran was still manager of Bristol Rovers he was doing quite well with them um, leading them quite well in, in League One his first managerial job not let's not forget as well so um, there was a lot about that and uh, it was one of those where it, if it didn't happen if a deal couldn't have been agreed it would have been very interesting to see whether Jamie Maguire would have been given a shot as, as caretaker and how long the process would have been to get in a new man in. But yet again, the Radfords did their research and um, did the due diligence and went out and, and got their man. I mean, that would have been a hell of a dressing room to be in with Jammer in charge, just saying. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Even though, you know, and to credit to, to Graham Cochran, you know, he has sort of kept him in that first team environment now rather than within the youth setup as well. So that's one to look forward to. Yeah, um, it just seems that Graves very much stayed in the ship recently, and also not recently, but over the time that he has been here. And fair enough, we've still lost games, but we've actually we've played, and we've not, all bar maybe a couple of games, we've not been overly disappointed in the way that we've played. We've actually, it just seems that the team have actually tried, and yeah, teams should try every game, but. From what we were used to seeing in uh, from last year, from from the first part of the season, it was just absolutely diabolical. It was like watching a bunch of chickens run around for ninety minutes. It took a while though, didn't it, Nath, for him to get his claws in? And, and like when uh, David Flickcroft first took over, it looked for a while like again we we were questioning 
the decision, obviously, the first thing was that we'd just replaced one experienced manager with an inexperienced manager and it failed. And then we were replacing an inexperienced manager with a man who'd only had 12, like about six to 12 months experience in, in Graham Coughlin. And it didn't, even though we, you know, we had the two draws against Northampton and Port Vale, that Christmas and January period, with the exception of the Cambridge victory in there, was hell to go through as a fan, wasn't it? It was even worse at points. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, the, again, there was a few few question marks. The, di- the difference was he didn't come in with as much pressure at this point because, I mean, uh, expectation levels had gone right down because what we'd been delivered so far that season, I don't think we expected the players to do a lot. Uh, so um, that's probably, that certainly bought him more time. Uh, obviously, there was uh, the surprise the Palais was wasn't as experienced as what you expect. But then again, you look at the lower leagues and you tend to have like a bit of a manager merry-go-round. They're all, they've all been around there for a long time, not really got higher or, you know, they talk to stick around the same league. So sometimes it, it is a bold decision to, 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 to go for somebody new and somebody different. Uh, and at least if, you know, Graham had something on his record at, at a, a senior level. So, you know, that was a, a bonus. But what I thought was quite interesting is that you just got this vibe from him that he had a plan where I don't think I quite got that as Dempster. I feel like Dempster was more a, a reactive plan, whereas Graham had his ideas. And, you know, first one of the things he did was got the players in on a very, very, very sort of strong fitness regime because one thing he alerted, which I think we could all see quite clearly, that there wasn't the fittest uh, bunch. Uh, we've lost somebody. No, it's all right. I was taking a snap. I was taking a sh- snapshot. I apologise. I was trying to. Right. Uh, so- Amazing, taking photos of us. Shocking. Um, so you know, he he came in with that, and I, I remember January was it Christian Pierce and somebody else were basically told Nellis. that they were free to to leave, which I think was quite a massive thing uh, at the time. Um, and I just obviously Pierce ended up staying, and he and he was welcomed back in and made, made captain again and. Uh, but that that for me is probably quite good management because before we we've all been saying we, John Dempster was probably walked over a little bit by the players, but Graham by doing that kind of sent a message to the whole squad that nobody's too big to to to, to leave this club, and I think that that was probably a very um, good roll of the dice from from the manager. I have to but, say as well that's that's the one difference I've noticed. You know. This whole situation has changed the way that Graham Coughlin has, has got to take Mansfield forward, which is a, a different show and a different discussion in itself yet again. But thinking about when he, he came in, as you said there, Nath, you know, John Dempster was more um, proactive and uh, trying to react to, to the situations that was there. But um, Graham Coughlin's approach was a lot more methodical, you know, three training sessions in a day. Um, he made the players work hard and basically said, if you don't want to work, hard here you, you you're gonna leave and I think I remember going through the the January transfer window yeah we were all a little bit shocked when Christian Pierce got put on the transfer um uh, on the tra- on the transfer list and was told he could leave that was a, a a very weird experience and a weird time we were thinking what's going off here but there was always that little voice in the back of your head saying no there's there's method to this and it, it was like you say it was basically a test to to those two players uh, of stand up and be counted, stand up and work. One of them did, and he's still captain. He's still here. The other is now at Bolton with his mates, um, and that's no disrespect to him. That's just the choices um, 
that they've decided to make and uh, and you know credit to to them for for making their own choices and everything but as it went on that January transfer window you know we we lose Otis Khan uh, Conrad Logan goes um Andy Cook which was a, a big surprise and very few players came in and we were thinking how are we going to get through but actually when you look at it now and you think back Cam it, it's one of those things of well actually he's just got players in to try and drag us over the line and and this is not about being reactive. This is about planning and thought and method. Yeah, it is. And I think uh, there's a couple of signings that you think, oh, they're not going to be too bad. You look at someone like Harry Charsley, who has been all bar maybe a couple of games where everyone's had an off game, but he's been an all-ran impressive player so far. And Joe Riley's been uh, another consistent performer uh, as well and it just seems that we're really starting to build something now because the the fair enough the results haven't always been there since it's since grave came in but the the fitness levels up the player it's like the player concentration's gone up because we weren't making these stupid silly mistakes at the back and and letting in soft goals so yeah fair enough we may maybe need to work on holding the lead a little bit harder but it's something to build on and uh Yes, it's it's a bit naff at the minute with the whole coronavirus thing going off, but it gives the players a perfect chance to work on their fitness, their personal fitness. And, yeah, and all of that's going to be monitored as well, isn't it? And and don't remember, yeah, there'll, there'll be no room for 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 you know cutting corners, no room for for skipping a step. Yeah, exactly. And when when football does return, if it does return in the near future, then. We're going to be in a. I think we'll be in a much better place uh, as a squad than we were before. And I think if if this season is null and void, which by the looks of things it probably will be, or at least it'll be points per game, and it'll just be figured out that way, and the season will finish now. Uh, I think we're in a much better place to build for next season than we were at this point last season, having a different man in charge. Yeah, and this whole situation will have helped with that as well. Let's talk about building for next season then. Um, in front of me, I've got some stats um, of uh, the players this season, what they've contributed and things like that. I'm looking uh, to both of you to, to play the part of manager and assistant, or you can both play the part of manager if you like um, and try and shape uh, a squad for next season. We obviously don't know some of the contract lengths, so we don't know whether some players are in contract or out of contract. Um so I'm just going to play a game of should I stay or should I go now? Uh, I'm going to read out each player, go through each one. We'll have a little discussion about each one and try and you know fathom a, a squad uh, from that and then look at the areas which need to be improved uh, from that. So we'll start at the very uh, top in squad number order. Uh, Conrad Logan obviously um, played 25 games, six clean sheets this season, currently on loan uh, at Forest Green. I think that one, that one will be quite self-explanatory, Nath, won't it? Yeah, that one's uh, definitely go. Absolutely. Cam, you in agreement? Yeah, gone. Uh, Hay- Hayden White uh, this season, plagued by injury uh, again. Uh, fantastic promise of a player. And when he's fit and when the injuries aren't there, uh, it can be absolutely fantastic on his day. Only managed 10 games and one sub-appearance, though, uh, this year. Where are you on this one, Cam? Keep. Nath? Definitely stay. I think although... I mean, in some ways, again, this whole the fact that we're probably going to end up having a longer pre-season, uh, well, longer, longer close season, 
is probably a really good thing in the fact that players are going to be able to recover from injuries better. And then, and for us, that's only a positive. The fact that Hayden White is going to have more time to, to heal because we, you know, we may have been throwing him in towards the end of the season and he could have uh, re-aggravated it and things like that. So actually, um, I think he's got so much potential um, and he's, he's still probably one of my favourite players at the club. So uh, having him back for next season, was it's going to be like a new signing. Let's just hope we can keep him injury free. One man who's had a bit of an indifferent season uh, this year and hasn't quite lived up to uh, what we'd expect to him is uh, Samal Benin. But I think... It, I think I'd be very disappointed to see him leave Cam. Yeah, I think I would. He's another player that's that, that when he when he's playing well, he's a fantastic player. But football players are in the position they are because it's just the way they are, and not every not every player can play to their full ability every single game. You're going to have off games, and it's just whenever someone's had an off game this season, it always seems to be when we've been playing poorly. So it's just, it gets brushed over a lot that everyone's being poor, not just one specific player. So judging a player on this season, it'd be quite harsh. But when when Mal does play, it does bring a a different quality to the game. The the set pieces that he he brings are just fantastic, second to none. But should he stay or should he go now? Uh, Stay. Because then you've got to look at what would, who would you bring in and how many decent left-backs do you see knocking around right. at this level? That's exactly what I was going to say. You know, I'd definitely say stay because it's a very hard position to fill. However, I'd add at that and i just say I think there should be some more competition there. So that's, that's the only difference I would make with that. Uh, I'm going to move swiftly on to uh, the next one, uh, which I've simply written as as, uh, as the following. Matt Preston, 25 games, two sub appearances, one goal, 70,000 red cards. Stay or go now? <laughs> go now. Go on. I'm go now. Uh, Christian Pierce, of course, was transfer listed in the in January. Proved Graham Cochran wrong and has fought for his place. And, you know, uh, well done to him for, for doing that. Um, but would you keep or would you let him move on to pastures new? Keep, but then also bring in some more competition. I'd say keep, and uh, yeah, the more competition can be by filling Matt Preston's boots. Uh, the next one, of course, is uh, Neil Bishop. Um, 29 games, one sub-appearance. Um, I felt for him a little bit under John Dempster because he was pushed into that um, higher uh, position. And uh, it, it didn't really pay off for him, did it? No, he was asked to do a different job in a different team where he was being asked to do even more, really. So, and a, and a man at, at his age, what, was it 39, is he now? Um, and that's always going to be a difficult job, diff- difficult job to do. And so it was always an uphill battle for him, bless him. Uh, and what about you, Cam? Is it is it stay or a go for Neil Bishop? Uh, it, you don't want to judge a player based on their age, but with some of the injuries that he's picked up this season, it's just something that's just going to get... It's just all these uh, tweaks and knocks that you pick up as a player ages, and he's a fantastic player, but... If he, if he can stay fit, then yeah, keep him. But if it's going to be another season of 
hit and miss, then it's a spot that we could fill with another quality player. So yeah. I'm a little bit on the fence with this one. I've written on I, the fence. I think next season might be one season too far for it. We don't know when it's going to restart, so it could be too too late for him, which is an horrible thing for him in his career because obviously you want to finish on a high, not not like this. You, know, you want to know when your last game is. So uh, I'd like to think you probably continue maybe yeah, lower down the league, maybe National League and go a bit down there. But I, I think League 2, I don't know. He, he does prove people wrong, wrong quite a lot, a lot. So you never know. Nice guy, though, off the pitch. Uh, right, I've... it's taken a uh, nearly an hour to, to reach this point, which will be... Um, a massive debate. I'm going to say two words and then I'm going to shut up. Those two words are Alex McDonald. Keep. Go. Really? Yes. Why? Why are you acting surprised? Because I know we have arguments, but <laughs> he's still one of the best players that we've got in the team. He's, he works hard. He, he can create fantastic opportunities scoring wise he, he can pick a ball out 40 yards away he can cross is this the same player that uh you know that are we talking about the same player here or yes quite clearly but it's <laughs> very like i was going back to the whole mal benning situation it's not it'd be harsh to judge someone purely on this season because if you were judging someone purely on this season then it, every player deserves to be gone yeah i'd I concede that I give you that, but uh, I just think for the position we, I, I I think there is more talent out there, and I think freeing up his wages and bringing somebody else in, I don't know. I just I think it, we could make better, we could get better anyway. Mm, do you know what? I hate siding with Cam Felton, but I'm going to have to yes. on this occasion. I don't know why. There's just something about Alex McDonald for, for me which offers us versatility. But if the if the budget's available and the right player becomes available, he wouldn't be first choice. He would be he would be a, a competitor within a squad rather than a starter. Um, he very much took the mantra on as, as Mr Mansfield and he'd run through a brick wall for the team. That's, my, that's my reason, I think. can't fault his commitment, but I think he probably... As a backup player, I could I could live with, but I don't. So I don't that's see. That's a keep. Then. That's a keep. That's a keep then, isn't it? If 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 we can't get players in, so it's a keep then, isn't it? No, it's not. Yeah, it is. It's, depending on recruitment, if we've so got. You said you just said you take him as a backup, so that's a keep then, and isn't it? If we can't get players in. I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel, don't make me have to mute one of you. I feel like this debate could rage on all night. Uh, Let's skip forward. I just want a one word answer from each of you on, on this one. Uh, I've written Craig Davis, zero starts, uh, five sub appearances in the words injury king. If he was fit. That's not a one word, that's not a one word answer. I wanted a one word answer. Yes. Keep. I think I'd, I'd be inclined to agree. Um, obviously, <laughs> he gets a lot of stick. I think it's, the stick that he gets from fans is, is very unjust. Fair enough, he's had his injury issues, but he's still a good player when he can get into the squad. And I think playing the way that we have been doing, I think he could. It's a. I think it's a a, a place that he could he could do a, a decent job. It's just unfortunate that he's not had the chance to be able to do it. 
And I think very much under the whole Dave and then the, the, the Dempster thing, and it was just very much that he could, even though Dave brought him in, it was just that he never fit into Dave's style of play. Well, he played a bit, didn't he? And, and he looked quite promising the ones he did play, and then, then he got injured. So it was never, he never really, he's never had a run. Yeah, well, so. then he's also got to dislodge Tyler Walker from the squad. So Exactly. So it's going to be a tough ask, really, uh, in that season. Moving on, uh, Otis Khan currently on loan at Newport. I would like to perhaps see him, you know, given some game time, some potential, but let's face it, it's going to go the same way as Conrad Logan, isn't it? It's not going to happen. Agreed? He's going to go, but I would probably keep him. I want to keep him, yeah, but he's going to go. Uh, next one, obviously, I think this one um, answers itself. Nicky Maynard, obviously keep. Keep. Contracted anyway, I think. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Lesnick, 14 starts this season, one clean sheet. Uh, had a torrid start to the season with the injury. Got back in and has perhaps been a little bit unlucky. For me, I, it's a no-brainer. He'd stay for me. Yeah. yeah, got to be one of the best goalkeepers in in the lower leagues when he's when he's fit and the injury worries and, and everything behind him. Uh, Jack Evans obviously on loan from Swansea yet to play, so it's pointless. Um, Kellen Watts obviously on loan from Newcastle, uh, seven starts, one goal. For me, decent young young prospect, uh, better at the back than what he is uh, in midfield. I would love to, I would love to have seen how his how his season finished, um, but perhaps next year, if the objective is going to be promotion, I would think I'd be looking for somebody a little bit more experienced at the back. Would that be a fair uh, assessment? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd, it's hard to judge about the last yeah with last nine games because you never know. It could have been you probably might have said the same about Ryan Sweeney based on the same amount of performances, and and now you you, you probably wouldn't you, you you'd want him in your team. So you you don't. It's hard to say really. Next one I think will cause a little bit of uh, debate and that's Willem Tomlinson. 18 uh, starts, four sub-appearances, one goal. Of course, the last goal before uh, coronavirus set in and took over uh, that in that win at Northampton. For me, um, he didn't seem to be rated by John Dempsey. didn't really get much of a look in. Um, his, his fitness is a huge issue, isn't it? I, I think keep on this one because it just seems that since, since Graham's come in, it's just really upped his game and he just looks he looks the player that he was when we brought him in under under Flitcroft yep I'd say he he was highly rated at Blackburn and I think that's for a, a, a good reason uh, and remember he's a young player so he's one that potentially if we can get him fit and get him playing regularly he, he could be one for the future even if it's not with us it You've got to be thinking for the for the club, and he may be one that you could possibly sell on. So uh, definitely keep for me. We don't even need to discuss the next one. Ryan Sweeney, obvious uh, keep. And if uh, you keep. know, if, if Christian Pierce was to leave, he'd be the man with the armband without an absolute doubt. We got an absolute bargain when we got Ryan Sweeney uh, from Stoke, and he will earn us big money one day. Currently valued Captain on my football manager. Currently ba- valued on my football manager save, by the way, at uh, three point eight million. So. Just saying. Uh, obviously, uh, after that, um, we've got Joe Riley. Uh, played six games, uh, one goal, fitness issues, but you know was in a good Plymouth team. But for me, uh, I don't want to be too disrespectful of him, but I think he'd probably be fourth choice right back for me if you had see, him. No, Kellen Gordon. See, I think I think keep because I think. 
Jack Clark, uh, James Clark, sorry, where did I get Jack Clark from? James Clark, I think he's is he's a fantastic young player, but he's he's another one that's still got a lot to learn. I say along the lines with someone like Alistair Smith, they were a fast, fantastic young talent, but they've got so much to learn still. And I think take I think if you look at someone like Callum Gordon, who I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit, I. Uh, it just seems that he's more of a, a, a right wing than a than a right back. So it, it then take him out of the equation. It very much leaves us short on rights because if Hayden White's very hit and miss with his injury still, then I, I think Joe's done a fantastic job uh, coming in and, uh, and filling those boots so far. Surprising, I'm gonna have to agree with Cal actually. It, I guess it depends on your your formation here because uh, it's. If if you're going for the flat, you know, back four, you, you could you could put Gordon further up the pitch, uh, right, you know, right midfield, for example, and I think he'd fit in, if probably better there actually. And then you have got only White, um, you know, Riley and and Clark. So I I would actually agree. I'd probably say keep as well. Fair play. I will go along with what you said, as always. Uh, Andy Cook looks like he will obviously join Tranmere uh, in the summer. He joined them on loan for an undisclosed fee uh, at the end of the January transfer window. Massive shame. 15 starts, 13 sub appearances, 7 goals. That was a massive blow to Mansfield season, in, in my in my point of view. I'd agree. Uh, it's, it's quite disappointing, actually, I think, by you know the fact that he, whether he's just not settled here or whatever, it he obviously wanted to to leave, and he was he was granted that, and it was a shame because when you when you just read out those stats, that's not actually a bad return, really, uh, in a team that hasn't been performing that well. So you'd like to think if we were doing all right, it would have it would have got a few more goals to to his name. So um, it's a shame. It was another one of those ex- uh, one of those signings that were ex- quite exciting at the start of the season. But just didn't didn't really work out, and and I just think it'll probably one of them that'll be forgotten over the years. To be fair, I'm going to rattle through some uh, some more names. There's only one more person that I really want to talk uh, in depth about. Well, two more really. Um, obviously, we mentioned Kellen Gordon a, a moment or so ago. That's a no-brainer for me. I know he's got his injury injury worries, but again, adaptable can play right back, right wing, right wing back. Um, the one I want to talk about uh, the most is James Clark, excellent young prospect. I know Cam, you not you weren't a massive fan, were you? Uh, no, it's Alistair Smith that I'm not a massive fan oh, of. Play, I so he's... I apologise. <laughs> uh, Clark, when he's played, has been absolutely unreal, and I think fair enough. He's had these odd games where he's done fantastic, and I think one one game that really sticks in my mind was Bradford away, although it was a two 0 loss. It was oh, no fault of his own. It was two, two poor decisions from very experienced players in Matt Preston and, and Alex McDonald giving away the penalties. But other than that, it was... Hang on a minute. Hang on, hang on a minute. <laughs> Nathan, you say it. You know you want to. What, what two players there? Yeah, it, yeah but every, this is what I mean. Consistency. You can't, you're not going to be massively consistent in this division because otherwise you wouldn't be Can here. we go back to James Clark, please? Anyway, but even though it was a loss, it was I thought he was still the man of the match, and I can't remember if he got supporters man of the match or not. But he was who was he marking? It was James Vaughan. Yeah, the experience, one of the most experienced strikers in the league against one of the most inexperienced players. Very much, very much being bullied by him, and he stood up to it quite well, and and really put a shift in. And I think. 
given given time to develop, I, th- I really think he's another one for the future, and and um, it, it's just a testament to the, the players, the the hunger and the desire that the players have got, because he could, he could, he's another one that could have quite easily just gone back into back into the the, the reserves, the youth, and just dosed around there for a bit, and then maybe maybe flirted with the first team, but he's really got stuck in and, and really made a claim for his for his place. So For him, he couldn't go back into the youth team. Right? We needed him, basically, with White out. Riley obviously got a little bit of an injury as well. And obviously oh, yeah, I mean, if they were fit, he could be able to. Yeah. But it's a good thing. It's a bit like uh, in our conference days when we, we had to play Tom Naylor and look what, because he got a run of games, where he's ended up. So... In some ways, it's not always the worst thing when you have injuries somewhere. If you've got a talented prospect in that position, which is why it's important to keep him, because if we do get more injuries and probably the probably most injury-prone prone sort of area we've got on the on the pitch, then uh, actually it's it's a good opportunity to to throw him in there because we know he has got the potential to to do something i think it's the it's the same you have to view him almost in the same light as the likes of jordan graham and jimmy knowles you keep them because they're good prospects but you need to get them football you need to get them six months of experience at one step down and and then bring them back and, and give them a shot obviously cj speaks for himself um Harry Charlesley, I've got written down here, not bad worth a punt. You mentioned him earlier, Cam. I think, you know, very similar to Willem Tomlinson, he was very highly rated at Everton, wasn't it? Yeah, and he, he did play against us in the Czech leasing yeah. LDV trophy, whatever it's called. Absolutely. Uh, but he's, he's another one player. He's, he's another a fantastic young talent, and I think given the time to develop he's going to be another another fantastic player and he, he, he's got the ability to be playing first team football every week as proven I think he has near enough played every week so given more time to develop then he's going to be a real gem for the future uh, the one which I'm sure we'd love to see stay but it won't happen currently on loan at Kettering is uh, King Amari so many, so many different managers. So many, so oh, many, all think the same. It's gonna thing. be gone, isn't it? Yeah, it's gone. I'm cry. I think, I think, as much as I love Amari, and I think he's he's been hard done to. I think now is the time to, to move on because it's three, four different managers, and he's not had a look in. And to be honest, he's probably on a fair wage as well because it wasn't Evans that brought him in. Yeah, right. Yeah. So he's probably on a decent pay 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 packet. Um, oh, I I would have loved to have seen him played more. I just think he, I, I don't think we've seen the last of him. And I, as in, I think we have in a Manchester Township, but I, I don't know. I think he's uh might make his way back into the leagues um, and, and be one of those that put in a couple of pastas. But uh, what he needs. Yeah, to- what he, need, what he needs to do is up his game on FIFA and then because uh, he's playing he's currently <laughs> representing us in this competition which is going on at the moment um, and, and we'll see uh, what happens I, mean, I went to uh, I wanted to I didn't watch that but I, I was very curious to know whether he played himself or whether he brought himself on for five minutes left to play I, that would have been absolutely bad for him if he did yeah absolutely it would have been funny I, don't, I, I genuinely don't know because I, did, I didn't watch it um, the, the final two that I want to talk about obviously um, Danny Rose Randy One's the best underground in football Splits opinions left, right and centre, but for me, you build a team around him. If you don't, you're a moron. Um, 
And the last one is the emergence of Aidan Stone. You know, we speak about, you know, bringing in James Clark in the summer to compete in the under-23s. Aidan Stone was brought in wrongly to, to bench warm uh, to be Conrad Logan's understudy. And, you know, he's been given his chance by Graham Coughlin and he's been absolutely phenomenal when he's played. He's been spot on. I think he really could be pushing um, and, and trying to claim that number one shirt next season or this season, whenever it, whatever it may be. Some season. <laughs> yeah, at some point. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, yeah, I agree, 100%. Yeah, last, last question uh, for you both before we wrap this up is, obviously we, we're treating this as an end-of-season-ish podcast, so you've got to try and pick your player of the season. <laughs> oh, great, this is going to be fun. <laughs> I think we know what you, you're going to go for anyway, Cam, aren't you? You're always going to go for Alex McDonald, aren't you? No. I mean... No. I mean, I'll put my candidates in there, if you like. Um, I think it would have been a no-brainer if it had stayed and we managed to keep him. I think uh, Connor Shaughnessy would have been right up there if we'd have managed to keep hold of him uh, in, in the January transfer window, obviously on loan from Leeds and was re- recalled and went to Burton. Um, you can look no further for me than Ryan Sweeney, who's just improved and improved and improved. And during that difficult period when he was asked to step in as captain, you know, didn't let us down at all. I don't think you can look beyond him. And then obviously, your other's coming. Your other's coming, Nate, as well. You know, you like Nicky Maynard, who scored who score goals. You know, Danny Rose has put his pass behind him and, and got stuck in a little bit more. But can you look beyond um, Sweeney? It's a tough one because uh, he, he certainly has been one of the best. Uh, I think he also had a slow start to the season, which isn't a criticise criticism to him because that. What can you do if you can't? He's just one man in a in a team of eleven that were, were playing bad. So it it certainly would be very very harsh just to singly pick him out. But um, I mean, I was going to start a thing this season, which obviously hasn't materialised. At the end of every season, at whatever new shirt we've had, I was going to get my player of the season printed on my shirt uh, at the end of the season. That's what I was planning on doing. Uh, I mean, I'd be struggling to pick this one, but I'm still going to do it whenever lockdown's over and I can get my shirt printed. Uh, but it's quite a big decision now, and obviously it's been uh, there's not been that many candidates. But I'm actually leaning myself towards Danny Rose. Actually, um, I just I don't know. There was a point in the season where he, he he did hit some form, and we sort of you know quite needed him as well, um, and. I don't know. I, I, for me, he's been one of the most consistent players, even though he's not necessarily scored a lot. He was playing that different role, and his link up play for me this season has been superb. Do you know what? I, 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 and I mean, I mean this in, in the most bantery and loving way possible, but it's taken a blind man to see what I've been seeing every single week since Danny Rose arrived. <laughs> <laughs> it gets a lot of stick, and it, 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 it wrongly, bugs me because. Wrongly. He's being judged incorrectly, I think, in a lot of ways. Absolutely. You know, you look at his... I mean, I could do a podcast all, all on him, to be fair. He's, he's all-round play, drops deeper. He can be articulate, can play it on the floor. Yes, you can use him as a target man. He, For me, you've, you've, got to keep, you've got to keep hold of him. And I, th- I think what we'll do for the player of the season is get yourself to a park, socially distanced, of course, and just have a rock, game of rock, paper, scissors and see who wins. That's the best way. That's the only way to decide it. Um, what would usually happen at, at this point? So we've reviewed the season. What would usually happen at this point? Uh, favorite moment and worst moment. No. Okay then. 
Nathan's favourite part of the, the podcast. Quiz. Uh, so, uh, season end of season quiz. quiz. Yes, I have some good news for you, Nathan, and some bad news for you, Cam. Oh, ooh. In this particular episode, there will be no end of season quiz. Hey. Don't celebrate too much, though, Nathan, because we have a little mini series <laughs> going on called Quizcast. Hey. <laughs> I'm uh, off that day. Uh, I can't uh, access the internet. Oh, we'll be making sure you access the internet, all right. And we will be doing a very special uh, end of season ish quiz cast uh, in the coming week. So make sure you keep up to date uh, with that. Uh, that's just about it from us today. I mean, we can't really end it in any other way because we could sit here and talk about the remaining nine games. So I'm going to do it in, in the way Mansfield matters. Um, and should do and, and the way I, I hope this podcast has, has come across as a little bit of light relief a little bit of a laugh and a little bit of a joke what a way to end the season nine games unbeaten nine consecutive clean sheets it's just a shame that we couldn't score in nine games <laughs> I knew one of you had got nine minutes recall from Catherine absolutely Amari got every every single minute Everybody's been fantasising about how it should finish. Everybody's been debating it. We could sit here and talk about that, but the truth is we'd be here for hours on end and we just don't need that at the moment. All I want to do is say to you guys at home, keep doing what you're doing. You know, the new measures have been put in place. We can go out a little bit more, but there's some confusion about it. Don't let it get in your head and don't take for granted the things which matter. Keep enjoying listening to these podcasts and listening to other football podcast and going back over those memories because it will return it might not be in the immediate future it might not be this year but it will return at some point and podcasts like this will continue to happen um so yeah there is no way to to end the end of season review really other than to say that this whole situation pretty much sums it up nobody knows how it came about nobody knows how it's going to end and once it has done everybody will happily forget about it and I think that's a very apt way to end isn't it <laughs> definitely from the past season <laughs> my thanks as always to Nathan Edge and Cam Felton who joined me via a socially distant remote location each and the power of Skype just about held out once again let's see if it does when we throw going live into the mix yes Join us at the worst time of the week, that's Saturday at 5pm, for an hour-long special, which is reacting to the latest Stags news, which will hopefully include the retain list, which we were just speaking about there, and we'll have the traditional end-of-season quiz as well, to put a smile on your face. I've been Craig Priest, thanks very much for listening and subscribing, not just to today's episode, but to all our episodes through this best time of the week series and our other series as well it really is appreciated and honestly means the absolute world we'll endeavour to keep doing these shows for as long as we possibly can but as I said at the very start from this point onwards it's not going to be every week we're going to take a little bit of a break as we would at this time of the year and then we'll be back with some fresh new content to put a smile on your face why? quite simply because Mansfield matters and in these uncertain, horrible times which we find ourselves living in, mental health matters too. See you next time, Saturday, 5 o'clock, Facebook Live. Be there.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.